Today's working journalists are staying the course, despite those who are trying hard to undermine and discredit them. This is part two of our discussion about how journalists perform their duties in the fake news club. Stay with us. This is Inquire. From the Mystery Inquirer, I'm Don Wilkins. In this second and final part of our series, I will be talking with Mystery Inquirer reporters about how they seek the truth every day and get their feelings about operating in the so-called fake news climate. All right, so now joining me is Bobby Hayes, who is the Mystery Inquirer's education and entertainment reporter. And, and Bobby, we've known each other for, for quite a long time. But I want to know specifically, you know, since we're talking about the state of journalism, how long have you been a journalist? I guess technically I would say since the spring of 2007, when actually you, Don, offered me my first job in journalism as an intern for the Ohio County Times News. Yeah, and so what what was it that, that drew you into to journalism? Um, well, I was always a writer, always a big reader, always a big writer. Um, at first, journalism was something that I could do um, where I could get paid for my craft, <laughs> to be honest. But as I sort of delved a little deeper and took more classes and got more um, interested in 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 research and investigation, um, it kind of just fit in line with some other things that I'm interested in. I like getting down to the crux of things. Um, I believe in truth. I believe in um, observing and reporting. I think that I'm I do well. Um, I excel at that. And so it, it kind of just all fit together for me. And so um, you went to Western? Mm-hmm. You went, yeah, yes. you went to their, their J school, right? Yes. I graduated in 2010 from uh, the journalism school. And so when we talk about J school, it, yes, journalism school. And, and so what has, you know, kept you in, this, in the business? Um... It's, I guess it's hard to pinpoint, and, and I think about this a lot uh, just because of the state of journalism and um, how tumultuous it can be, the current political climate and things like that. You know, I've legitimately thought um, or considered, is it safer or would it be better to step away? But I just can't. I, I feel that it's almost like a duty. I'm, I've been given a gift um, to... I guess for all intents and purposes, putting things in layman's terms for folks and um, I guess being the eyes on the sky. Um, and and I, I feel a loyalty, I guess, in that sense. Um, so I think that it would be hard for me to step away. Um, I don't ever foresee that happening in the near future because uh, I'm a writer and more than that, I'm a journalist and I take pride in that. When we talk about the state of journalism, you know, you're a millennial still, right? You're in that millennial. <laughs> I think, and I've, I've thought about this a lot, I think they consider my generation ex heels. <laughs> we were, uh, but yeah, essentially, yes. And so, but you grew up essentially with the internet, mm-hmm. cell phones, 
and so technology and so those of us who have been in it a little longer have seen the uh, i guess the aggressive takeover of technology social media the internet you know newspapers you know were you know for you know and I'll always promote this as newspapers are the oldest and purest form of journalism no one can can convince me otherwise on that now will newspapers be around you know 10 20 years from now I hope they are I hope I'm still doing what I'm doing here at the Mr. Inquirer you know there's a reason why newspapers um, are still here because you know people still rely on our journalists you know people like yourself Bobby who are in the trenches every day you know you just came back uh from a school board meeting mm-hmm. and this this one was a, a regular meeting right yes so but they do have what they call these luncheons that you attend and who else from the public is usually there nobody <laughs> it's usually me and other um news outlets or news agencies if something big's going on but a lot of times um yeah it's just just me and the board members um discussing usually pretty run-of-the-mill things but um who who would be there to listen or to call them out or to I guess be a watchdog if if not for us, you know. So I feel even if nothing's on the docket or even anything, nothing's on the agenda. I think it's important to be there to show them that we're going to be there. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I guess in in our jargon we call it, you know, babysitting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it could. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it could, could be considered that sometimes. It, you know, and it's not, and it's not meant to be disparaging, you know, toward anyone. But that's but that's what we do. We go and I and I've sit through a many a public meeting mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. <laughs> and you know, you you're just thinking, you know, this this is part of my life I can't get back. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, it's important that mm-hmm. we're there, you know. Because if we're not there, how are we going how we're gonna know if if they do, do something, if they do uh, vote on something and doing it, do it in a way, maybe, you know, it, it may be that it's not intentional, not anything meant to be shady. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's my point is, is that we are there regardless of if it's a big, you know, thing that's happening or not. I mean, yes, we're there just, just like every other news out whenever something big happens. But we're also there in the trenches. Yeah, and I mean... I don't, I never think, I never assume automatically that somebody's up to no good or has nefarious thoughts, but there have been times where um, I'll go to a meeting, it's a late meeting, they'll close for, they'll have a closed session, that means the media steps out of the meeting, and then when they enter back into open session, um, typically they'll say, you know, we're not going to vote on anything, so you don't have to stay around, but I had sort of uh, some I had my spidey senses tingling, so I stayed around, and, and sure enough, after they went into open session, they weren't voting, but they were discussing um, building the new sports stadiums with Davis County Public Schools, and while I wasn't going to specifically report on it that next day, that was my first um, 
that was the first time that I'd heard that they were going to be doing that. And that was a while before they came forward publicly to announce that. So I was like, oh, okay. So if I had not stayed, you know, that would have gone to the Wade side and I wouldn't have found out about it until they were ready to announce. So any, any final thoughts on this, on the state of journalism? Um, I was, I think I'm kind of fortunate, maybe fortunate to have been around for like, for example, um, I had this issues in mass communication class in college and the big topic, see if you can guess what the big topic we were talking about. It was like the next big thing that was going to hit journalism and change everybody's lives. No clue. Twitter. <laughs> we talked about Twitter. It, it was seriously, it had just launched. It must have been, I mean, it was probably 08, 07, something like that. And they, everybody, it was all a buzz about Twitter and what is this thing and how big of a deal it is that everybody can just tweet out anything they want at any time. And it was super intense. Um, but I think about that now. Um, I think that it's a challenge and also it's a, a gift, a blessing for us to, on one hand, have instant access to anything ever at all times um, within our fingertips length. Um, and at the same time, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I guess I'm trying to say we're battling that and also using it to an advantage as well because on one hand, it helps people get instant access. On the other hand, it helps people to get instant access. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's sort of like a blessing and a curse. Well, and, and always, you know, the issue is, you know, whether, you know, what's better. And we, and we should right. know what's better, getting right. it right or getting it first. Exactly. That's a, a major thing. And then, and then, yeah, yeah, I have thoughts on that too, but I would always go with getting it right. <laughs> I mean, just because I've been in the, in my shoe, in the shoes before where I got it wrong and, it, you know, not only do you, I mean, it's bad for everybody involved, but I kind of feel guilty. I mean, I always feel I want to get it right. You know, I want to, I want to do the best that I can and be the best writer and reporter um, for, for the people. All right, I'm with Jim Mays, our cops reporter, and Austin Ramsey, our city reporter here at the Messenger Inquirer. And guys, I wanted to expound on the conversation that I had with Chuck Clark in our last episode. You know, I talked with him about uh, how at Western they were preparing young journalists their their journalism school for this fake news and climate, the, the kind of the hostile uh, hostility that we that we see now toward journalists. And and you guys uh, are or seasoned journalists, especially Jim. Jim's been on the job for a long time. In Austin, you're getting there. So, um, But Austin and, and Jim can kind of give the perspectives too. You know, Jim, you, you've come up uh, before social media, and Austin, you pretty much have grown up and, and been using social media probably since you started in the business, and, and, and how those in, have impacted journalism uh, for good or bad, and I know, and I know, you, Jim, you 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 tweet, and I don't know if you have Facebook, but I know you're on on social media to some degree. And one of the things I talked to, to Chuck Clark about was, you know, how tempting it is as journalists to want to uh, give our opinions about issues, um, but we have to sometimes restrain ourselves at the same time because even though it's a story, 
we may not be covering. There's a potential we may have to cover. And one of the things I also wanted you to talk about was both of you can give the perspective too, was we talk about fake news. Well, it's a little hard when, Jim, your job is largely based around public record. And Austin, yours is largely based around attending public meetings and public record as well. So do you guys ever take it personally whenever you hear fake news or any kind of criticism, you know, toward a, toward the press in, in that regard? Or do you just dismiss it and, and think, well, they're not talking about me or, or this newspaper. They're talking about, you know, the bigger newspapers or, or the bigger uh, television networks. I take offense when it's directed at me, and it has been sometimes. Not not necessarily all that often. I think that in general, when people use that that phrase or that term, fake news, they're they're probably generally talking about large media networks. But I do think it's important that as journalists, we kind of think of ourselves all as one big conglomerate of media that are defenders of the First Amendment and have a duty and and take that duty seriously to inform the public because, you know, it's it's kind of sad and scary regardless of whether or not they're talking about me. When people turn their back on the press and say and call it fake news. Now, yeah, if you're watching CNN and you're watching a lot of p- pundits argue about you know, different sides of, of a political debate. I can see why you don't feel like you're watching news because you're not. But but a great deal of, of national coverage like the Washington Post and the New York Times, you know, these 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 outlets are are respectable and, and in my opinion they should be respected because of, of the work that they're doing. So so to answer your question, yes, sometimes people have shouted at me or said to me, you know, you're fake news. And yeah, I, I kind of take offense to that because I, I've never lied, <laughs> and I never would. Um, I would never make something up, and I, I certainly never have. But I also kind of take a little offense as a member of the press, as a member of the media, because I, I think it's important that people trust media because our jobs are to inform and to make sure that the public as a whole are keeping public institutions held accountable. How about you, Jim? Well, I agree with Austin in that I think we all do get painted a lot with the same brush. You know, when someone says, someone tweets fake news, I'm I'm not sure there's a whole lot of distinction made between what level they're talking about. I think, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I think when President Trump calls calls the Washington Post or calls the New York Times or call, or says the media is fake news, I think that damages all of us. I mean, Austin makes a good point, though, in that I think a lot of people don't differentiate between what is news and what is a talking head, you know, spouting his, his opinions 24-7 on CNN or Fox or whatever. Um, I, that's a lot of the problem, I think, just that maybe people don't understand the difference between news and opinion, and I, boy, I don't mean that to sound like people are dumb. That's not what I'm implying, but there's, it is hard to, to watch commentary on, on CNN and go, okay, where's the line here? What's, you know, where does the news stop and, and, and opinion begin? And admittedly, they don't make those distinctions very clear anymore. 
you know, in a yeah. newspaper. In, uh, that that's that's one of the reasons that I'm. Well, I mean, I you know, I, I obviously have an a, an affinity for newspaper, but in a newspaper, those lines are very clearly drawn. You open up the newspaper and you flip through the pages, and you're not supposed to get an opinion until you get to that page that says opinion on the top. You know, whereas you you tune into CNN and and there's no there's no hard line. They don't they don't flash a big black screen that has text on it and says everything from this point to this point is an opinion. They just, you know, it goes on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and 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 there's just this mix, you know, and and so yeah, and you'll see, you know, even though even there are people who are supposed to be delivering the news, sometimes they even make an editorial comment, you know, which goes way against the grain of anything that we've ever been taught when we're writing news. You know, we keep adjectives, you know, out of what we write unless it's unless it's in a quote. And so, um, and so Jim, you know, you've been in the business how long? Gosh, um, 21 years this month. So you and I, you and I, I, know it. I, know it, man. <laughs> well, you and I are, are about there, about the same. I, I, from, I, I came in. The business in 1997, you know, at the infancy of the internet and, of course, social media was, was still uh, maybe not even a thought at that point. And, and so you have basically, you operate almost every day through public record. And can you talk about that element of your job and how important that is and how important you take that? Because there's nothing you do that could ever be considered fake because you say, I've got the records right here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I was, I was just a little, I've got days there at 21 years. It's like, man, man I gave up driving a forklift for this. I could have been making, making $45,000 a year driving that damn forklift, but here I am instead flinging words at people. Um, <laughs> I mean, to get to get, no, I think about it. Somebody pays you. Somebody pays you for your words. I mean, that's pretty. You know, that's pretty good. You know? You're a professional writer. Too. I take it serious. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, and to get back to your 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 point there, I mean, well, yeah, I'm the I'm the police and courts reporter. So I mean, everything I do comes out of some you know almost some record you know arrest citations or or incident reports, court records, you know, there's there's always an official source, as I guess what I'm trying to say, and that's true for that's true for Austin at city government. That's gonna be true for Jacob at fiscal court. I mean we're not just pulling you know, pulling stuff out of the air. I mean everything that comes out of court, you know, either comes from an attorney working on the case or comes from a document. You know, there's that's true from the for that's true at the police department, the sheriff's department. There's you know, you may not agree with it. You may not like what it has to say, um, but you're not liking it doesn't make it fake, or at least it shouldn't. Although some people fail to make that distinction. And 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 you, Austin. I mean, you're dealing with public officials, largely either they're elected or they're paid with taxpayer dollars. And and I know you've been you know you're you've been on the phone today you know, talking with the mayor and talking with people, uh, other people who who surround it, um, various things that are going on and are very public people. And so how, I mean, how, 
I mean, how do you, whenever you know where your sources are coming from, you know everything you do is public, and and when, and, and two people think, well, they'll call us up and say, well, you're the newspaper. You know, you, but the public, you know, our readers can, they may, you know, they, they may not be their job is to call up the mayor and get these, but, but they have, they have the same, they, they attend the same meetings, you know, they can access the same records. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's something I think about a lot. The fact that, you know, if, if everyone did what I did, I wouldn't have a job because I, everyone has access to every, everything that I, I do, every document that I I look at same with same with Jim. I mean, you know, we we're not special people in that we have some kind of inside access. Sure, you know, the mayor has my cell phone, but that's just probably because I call him more than anybody else. You know, you know, and so no, I I I, I do think it's important that we're not using some kind of insider access. I go to public meetings, and I'm often told to leave whenever whenever it's a meeting that's not public. You know, so. I don't have some kind of insider access, but that's kind of the insider secret. So I hope I hope no one no one figures that out and I, I lose my job. But but I do think it's also important to note that as a government reporter, yes, I do rely maybe a little bit less on on documents, although I I do rather heavily, and I'm always looking for that documentation if it exists. While I do, you know, while I am talking to people a lot more. I don't just take the mayor's word for it. I don't just take this city government official's word for it. You know, I, I'm for me, it's it's you know, Jim sometimes has the the the. It's nice, I would imagine, because you you've got it written down and it's signed by a judge. You know what I mean? For me, it I you know someone tells me something, and I'm not just going to take their word for it. Then I need to call somebody else that's 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 uh, uh, you know affiliated with that project or something like that and get confirmation and then get third confirmation on it that's what I'm working on today is is in fact getting a third city official to tell me on the record that something is happening um, I know it is happening I trust the first person who told me but I need that confirmation why because I have to make sure it's not fake news. I've got to make sure that no one's leading me in the wrong direction. And that's hard. That's a that that's 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 one of the reasons that my job is challenging, but it's also it's fun and it, and it is neat to attend all these meetings and to get the opportunity to talk to all these people who get paid a lot more money than I do and get elected and you know all that all that jazz. But I take that responsibility that I have to ensure fact very very seriously. And that's probably why it can kind of ruffle my feathers when people try to make the claim that I'm fake news. And, Jim, I think you made an excellent point when you said that often when people throw around quote-unquote fake news, it's actually an indication that they are just not happy with the facts. Not that they truly believe that that's not true, but that they just don't like that it's true. I think that's a, an important yeah, and point. Yeah, and that is a lot of what we're dealing with. How tempted are you guys— to weigh in on an, on an issue when you know uh, I'm supposed to be unbiased and that this could be, even though I'm not covering this story, but do you ever think about, should I weigh in on this? Uh, you know, should I give my opinion as a, as a reporter, regardless of the issue? I think at times I might've come close to giving an opinion, especially when I'm sitting in trial. I know there are times when I've tried to tweet from trial and you know, it might seem one way or the other. Um, as a general rule, though, I, 
and I'm trying to tweet anything that's not, you know, the fact in front of me, because everything can be can be misconstrued or twisted. I remember one time on Twitter there was something about it was it was a state story about the appointment of judges, and someone had made a comment about how judges are appointed. And I I mean I just tweeted you know a factual now this is how it's done, and someone picked up and ran with it on a partisan rant. No, no, you're blah blah blah. It's easy for a troll to sort of take what you've said and and go off on a screen. Um, so I, I try I do try to avoid that as much as possible and just stick with, you know, fact X, Y, and Z. I have opinions, like everyone, about what's going on at City Hall or what isn't going on at City Hall. And I have opinions about what's going on in D.C. and what isn't going on in D.C. But it's not what guides me every day. And, and everyone, uh, for at least for me, because I deal a lot with politics, well, Jim, you do too, at the state level, a lot with politics, there's so many people who want to ask me, like, they, they want to, like, pull me aside and they want to look at me with that, like, sly eye and be like, what do you think, you know? And obviously I don't share that because it it could, it would look wrong. Especially often. if it's a source. Well, yeah, no, definitely if it's a source. But but um, but that that's not what guides me. I mean, that's not why I'm doing this. I'm not I'm, – I don't, I don't like reporting on government because – I'm getting the inside scoop on on a on a particular political affiliation that I have. Rather, I'm fascinated as a student of life by local politics and by what's going on at City Hall. I, I find I find the the inner workings of government a really neat, fascinating thing, and that's that's why I chose to go in this direction with my reporting. Not not because I have these opinions. I do. But they're not what are gui- they're not guiding me, and they never will. And the last thing I want to touch on here, and this is one thing that I've always considered myself as a, I've always considered myself as a as a watchdog journalist. I mean, there there are those out there who consider themselves, you know, more featurey journalists or business journal. I mean, there are all sorts of journalists, photojournalists. I mean, there's all sorts of journalists. But for me, I got in this because I wanted to be in the position to to, to hold people in power accountable. Because if we weren't doing it, or we're not doing it, who who else is going to do it? Because I know Jim, I know you, Austin, you, we'll go to public meetings all the time, and we may be one of two or three people from the public sitting there. Oh, sometimes I'm the only person from the public sitting <laughs> right. there. Right. People, I don't know if people realize that if we weren't there, it's not to say that our government bodies, um, you know, are doing anything shady on purpose. And, but at the same time, it, it would be very easy for them to do things, either not not doing things maybe unknowingly or not being challenged with. So do you guys consider yourselves as more watchdog watchdog journalists? I mean, why did you guys get into this? Well, I've done some watchdog, certainly, and I've pretty proud of some of the things I've done over the years. Um, and I mean, I think your, your point is pretty important. I mean, if, you know, and I'm not saying it, any organization out there is, is doing anything wrong, but you got to have somebody there watching. You got to have somebody there 
on the day-to-day, going over what government is doing or, you know, state government, city government, law enforcement. You have to be, have somebody on the ground because you never know. I mean, what, what, are, what would the public miss if, if we weren't there? And I guess I'm getting into the whole subject of the decline of, decline of the news media, the decline of newspapers. I mean, you know, should there ever be a day when there isn't a newspaper, I mean, who's going to, who's going to know what's happening in government? That's, it's, it's a, that's, that's pretty dystopian. That's kind of a scary thought. I mean, we cover things. I mean, we cover meetings in Austin. You cover all these, uh, maybe still cover, and, and at one time cover, I'm talking about like the library, you know, the Riverport. Right. I mean, you, you can't get much more mundane than the Riverport board, but it's a public board, and we're there. And I, and I, and I would hazard to say that there's nobody from the public uh, largely at, at, at the library board meetings or the uh, Riverport board meetings. No, I, I've never, I've never encountered a member of the public at either. Well, at the library board, I did on one occasion, but at the Riverport, Riverport certainly no, I've never encountered a member of the public at, at either of those meetings and uh, or, or at that meeting. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I but I I do take those very seriously, and nine times out well. 9.9 times out of 10, nothing wrong is happening. But like Jim said, I mean, I'll be there if and when it does, and I will certainly, I will certainly, uh, you know, do my job when that when that happens. But um, yeah, I, I I would agree with both of you. I, I consider myself a, a watchdog slash an investigative reporter, and I I'm proud of it, proud of the work I do, and I I love it. You know, and they're not going to tell you. <laughs> if, no. they're, if they're if they're doing something wrong, um, and this is this is an, this is a funny story where I had to go to a report meeting one time and they were is prior to the meeting they were all having lunch and they're like you well you can't come in you know they're having lunch <laughs> and I was like no I'm I'm coming in and the attorney came out and said well well you can have lunch if you want to and I said I said I don't want to have lunch I want to know what they're talking about when they're having lunch right. I mean yeah. you know were they doing anything wrong I mean were they in their planning the overthrow of the world or anything. No, <laughs> but how would you know if you weren't in, actually in there listening? So that's, that's what we do. I think a lot, of, a, a, a lot of local officials forget that when they are all in, in each other's presence, they're having a meeting, regardless of whether or not they're talking about you know, the stroganoff they're eating or, like you said, talking about overthrowing the world, they're having a meeting. And you know, we have a responsibility to be there mm-hmm. and cover it. Yeah, the whole the whole quorum thing that that's what they have to watch. And so sometimes I, I've been in meetings whenever they're not wanting to have a quorum, so they have to go in there and start counting up people, <laughs> you know, to make sure they're not having a quorum. Sure. We're just having like a little discussion among, you know, two or three of us. But then probably they're going to go in and call, you know, call that other person who would have made a quorum and tell them exactly what happened and daisy chain the information and oh and 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 one of the things that I'm always thinking about is the role that that internet and social media what in particular cell phones and text messages and all that are playing when it comes to public meetings because you know back in the day these people would have to write letters back and forth to each other. To, but now, I mean, they can all communicate. They can kind of have that meeting in a way. Now, there are rules regulating, you know, in terms of a teleconference and things like that. But but they can certainly have a lot of communications behind, or it seems like they can have some communications uh, Well, behind. according to the Attorney General, like if you're in a public meeting, they're not even allowed to, like, put their hand over the mic 
and then oh, whisper no. something. No, and you know. and and an important an important thing to know is that you know we're there and we laugh about quorum, but they have violated these rules. They're violating these not they not local officials necessarily, but all over the nation these rules are being violated all the time. I've right. I have covered more times than I can count a meeting taking place that behind closed doors that shouldn't have been held behind closed doors. I have covered times where decisions have been made at a not so public meeting. I you know so it's not that we're all there waiting for something to happen that's never happened before. This stuff happens. And I don't think that they're always trying to pull the wool over our eyes, but they have before and so it's important that we take our job seriously and 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 are there and are keeping them held accountable for when it does happen. And they do sometimes forget. I remember when oh, I was yeah. covering fiscal court, there a bunch of them went across the street and had lunch at Colby's, and I said, well, you, you can't do that. And they said, well, we can't have lunch. I said, well, not, not in a quorum, you can't. And they were like, oh, you know. And they always, well, why don't you come along? Well, frankly, it's not me. It's not me you're being held accountable to. It's the public. Yeah. You know, so you, even if you invite me along, you'd have to invite anybody who wanted to come along to, you know, so yeah, certainly I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that public officials in general have some kind of malintent, but sometimes they do, and so you know I'm glad we're here. And that will wrap up our show for this week. I want to thank Mr. Inquirer reporters Austin Ramsey, Jim Mays, and Bobby Hayes for joining me. To send us questions or provide feedback, email us at newscast at messenger-inquire.com. Remember, you can find us on the Messenger Inquire's website and iTunes where you can subscribe to Inquire. Until next time, I'm Don Wilkins saying good day for Inquire. <laughs>